Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have a Bible, let's open up there. This morning as I was going over the notes that I had, I kind of had studied a lot, believe it or not, man. Even yesterday I stayed longer than I normally do. And uh, uh, so I had a lot of information listening to studies, uh, reading commentaries. And so what can happen sometimes when you study too much is it becomes, I think, a little bit too overwhelming or even too wordy. And so this morning when I was just praying and talking to the Lord, he just had me redo everything. I just broke out my phone and I just started doing my notes on my phone as the Lord just brought things to my heart. And so it's a simple study, but it's a, it's a life-changing study. It really is. And it's part of the reason, if not the reason, that we're studying 1 Corinthians to begin with. Because when I came back from uh, South America, uh, having been there with Ryan, the Lord just said what your church, what our church needs is we need to make sure that we operate under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And so I said, okay, Lord, then let's go through the book of 1 Corinthians so that we can cover the gifts of the Spirit. And so here we are, and I believe that at this juncture of our life as a church that we will never be the same. Because look what we read in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now you may notice there in your text that the word gifts is in italics. And what that means is that although it's there in the English version, it's not in the Greek. It's not in the original text. And so in one sense, what he's saying is now concerning spirituals, concerning the Holy Spirit concerning the the life of the spirit it, it does include gifts later on he's going to mention it in the greek text five times but you know right here it's just a bigger thing uh, concerning this supernatural work of the holy spirit i i don't want you to be ignorant of, of the person of the holy spirit and the power of the holy spirit and the gifts of the holy spirit and the way they operate in the church so that our body here would be healthy and supernatural supernatural do you guys know that as you go through this the bible the church is compared uh, among other things to three things stand out number one the church is a building and so consider it a building that experiences god's residency god lives here in the building number two the church is a bride and so the building is God's residency. The bride dressed in white is God's purity. How we're made pure, not by our own goodness, but we're made pure by the blood of Jesus Christ. God's residency, God's purity. And then after the, 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 the building and the bride is the body. And what we find there is that there, this is talking about God's unity. And you guys know this just as well as I do, that when we're united, and that was part of the problem there in Corinth, man, there was divisions. I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas. No, man, you want to get strong as a church? There needs to be diversity. You're different, but don't let that, you know, in any way, you know, repel you. There, there's a diversity, but there's a unity. And when there's unity, there is going to be this power that God will give. You know, if it were up to me, I think that I would share more messages on trying to help people who are, 
who are grieving the, the passing of a loved one. Or if it were up to me, I'd probably do more messages on how to help the, those who are ang ang suffering from anxiety or depression or who have suicidal thoughts. Or if it were up to me, I think I would probably do more messages on, on marriage, you know, how to have a better marriage or how to be a better parent, how to reach your kids more. You know, because, you know, as a person, as a pastor, you look out and you see, man, people are struggling with these things and you just want to help them. But then the Lord, as we're teaching through the Bible, he says, but that's not how you're going to help them. Yeah, people are going through all those things. But the way that, that they'll be able to be ministered to and, and they'll be able to get through all these things is as every single member of the body of Christ begins to know that, hey, I have a gift in this. I have a part in this. I have a responsibility in this. And when the whole body becomes healthy, then we're, we're going to be so much more effective. You guys know how it is. How many of you here have healthy bodies? Just out of curiosity. Not very many of you, huh? It's been a while, man. I remember when I was wrestling in high school, man, that was the height of my physical capability, whatever. You know, now uh, things are happening, pains and aches, and I don't understand. I, and it's probably because I'm getting old, but it's just part of the way that the body uh, begins to deteriorate. Now, I was thinking about our brother Jose. Jose, some of you know him, Jose and Elsa. He is uh, waiting. He's on the list to, to receive uh, a kidney uh, donation, if I'm not mistaken, Jaime as well, right? And so they'll, they'll be the first ones to tell you that there's, there's some, a part of my body that's not functioning properly. And, and as a result of that, it's affecting my entire body. And that's the way it is for us as a church, that, you know, you're here and you're, you may think, well, I'm not really significant, I'm not really important, I'm not seen. Well, um, you know, the, the kidney's not seen either. It's, it's not visible from the outside, but it's vital. And so what you're finding and what we're finding is that if we want to help people, if we want to, you know, help those in the church and spill out into the community and hopefully even one day into the nation and help those guys that are sleeping on the bench and just different things, then what, ha what we have to ha have happen is every single part of the body needs to know that this whole gift of the spirit thing is real so that our body becomes healthy and our body becomes supernatural. It can't just be, you know, a social club. It can't just be, well, we got a building and there's air conditioning and they play music and they do a talk and you come and you have fun and you go and then, you know, you kind of squeak through life. No, I mean, you guys know this just as well as I do, man. We want to have a body that's healthy, and we want to have a body that is uh, supernatural. You know, air conditioning. I probably use some right now, as a matter of fact. I mean, if, praise God for air conditioning. Anyone here hot? Okay, so only three of us. Okay, we lose. Sorry. <laughs> but it's just, it's just the way that it works, you guys. Uh, this morning I was praying, and just kind of weird stuff, you know, probably for you. You think it's weird. Uh, I was just praying, uh, Lord, how the enemy wants to kill us as a church. Thank you that we're still alive. How the enemy wants to steal us from God. Thank you that we still believe your word. How the enemy wants to paralyze us as a church. And thank you that we're still walking, we're still running. But here's something where the Lord got me. How the enemy wants to keep you down as a church. And I thought about it and I said, Lord, I want to fly. 
I mean, we want, we know more. Thank God we're, we're alive. Thank God we're teaching the Bible. We believe in the Word. Thank God we're walking and running. But man, it's not enough, Lord. I want to fly. And what God is saying is that the way that this happens is we can't be ignorant. Look again in verse 1. Now concerning spirituals, the spiritual life, the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts, the supernatural life. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And so what Paul is saying is you got to know what the Bible says about all this stuff, man. You know, if you go to some churches out there, they're called cessationists, cessationists. And they believe that the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. They're no longer available today. You know, things like speaking in tongues or prophecy or word of wisdom or word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. And so they'll tell you that those gifts are no longer available today. And in my opinion, it's because they're ignorant. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible teaches the contrary. I don't want you, Paul says, to be ignorant, to think that the gifts are no longer available today. We don't want to be cessationists, but neither do we want to be sensationalists. And that's the other extreme. And that's where sometimes you go to a church and they're dancing around and there's everybody speaking in tongues and there's no order in the church whatsoever and there's things that are going on. People are on the ground. They're barking. I mean, just a whole bunch of crazy things. And they blame it on the Holy Spirit. No, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. You know, and so for us as Calvary Chapel people, you know, we, our theological position is that we believe in the, in the perpetuity of spiritual gifts. But the question is, is, are we exercising them the way that we should? Now, here's my opinion. Just, I don't know everything, but this is kind of what I think, that we're doing it a little bit. But we're not, near, we're not doing it nearly enough. I think that God wants to light a fire in this church that wants to light a fire in you that, man, maybe you've never had. You know, sometimes fire is good. Right now we're praying for this that's going on in Australia. It's just, uh, it's just heartbreaking to see the fires raging without, you know, not able to be controlled. You know, sometimes I think about that. I think that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you got a house that's on fire and it's not good. I mean, that's the way that they're doing it is not good. But you go home and, and you put the fire in the fireplace. How many of you here have a fireplace at home? I'm just curious. They're beautiful, huh? They're awesome. They're wonderful. Or even just this, you know, turn on the stove and you warm with your tortillas on your fire, right? So when the fire is proper in its place, it's awesome. And that's kind of how it has to be with the Holy Spirit. Not, not out of control, not a sensationalist. No, man, but man, the fire of the fireplace or, you know, you're warming things up and God's doing that work or even wind. Wind out of control is a hurricane. But wind that's harnessed, it, it, it lifts the plane up and it flies. That's the Holy Spirit. This is what we need. You know, we, we rack our brains trying to figure things out. How am I going to reach my son? How am I going to reach my daughter? How am I going to reach my unsaved spouse? You know, how can we, you know, help ourselves up out of this pit that we're in that we can't just seem to get out of? And, and the answer is, is that when everyone in the body of Christ discovers their gifts, develops them, and, and deploys them, we stop ignoring this. Because the ignorance, sometimes I see the word ignore there, and I think that's what's going on, Lord. I think in large sense, we're ignoring these things. And so we have to ask God, uh, Lord, please help us 
in this. You know, for Paul here, speaking to the Corinthians, it was a radically different life now that they were Christians. Notice again what he says there in verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know, in verse 2, that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So the Corinthians were coming into this with zero knowledge. They were Gentiles. They didn't have the Old Testament. They didn't have the Jewish background. They didn't know anything about the Spirit of God. They didn't know anything about a relationship with God. And so with that zero background, they were worshiping idols. They were lifeless idols. They were mute idols. They couldn't speak. But now they have a relationship with a God who not only speaks to them, but speaks through them. And so now they don't know how to handle this. You're going to see as we go through Corinth, the Corinthian letter, that they were you know, all speaking in tongues and they weren't doing it right. And, and, and here Paul is saying, you guys, you came from that background. And what we need to do is we need to learn the biblical parameters of that. There where he says in verse 2, you, you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. It's not in reference to the low IQ or, or you know, low intelligence of the idols. It's just that they were lifeless. They had no intelligence. It was, it was not a personal, intimate relationship with God where the Holy Spirit would lead them. It was nothing like that. It was completely different. For not only did they have uh, now a God who spoke to them, but now they had a God who spoke through them. And what Paul is saying here is that you need to be taught and instructed how can we harness the wind? How can we take the fire of the Holy Spirit into our lives and use it for good? You know, what we see is we need the gifts of the Spirit, but we need to make sure we exercise them biblically, obediently, and faithfully. You know, the Corinthians were, were mesmerized with this whole thing of speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and just, you know, what can happen sometimes when you open yourself up like this is, you know, if we're not careful, we can actually get kind of weird. Look what he says in verse 3. Therefore, I, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a kind of a tough verse, and I did a lot of research on this, and eventually I think I came to agree with Pastor Chuck Smith. And Pastor Chuck Smith said that when you go through history and you go back, 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 back to the beginning, that what had happened was one time there was a, like a congregation like this, they were speaking in tongues, and some person rose up, they started speaking in tongues, and what happened was the interpreter interpreted what they said, and this individual was blaspheming Jesus. And what, what Paul here is saying is that, you know, that's not the Holy Spirit. No one who's speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit would blaspheme Jesus. That's why we're going to see in the next verse that he goes on and talks about the way that the Trinity is one. The Trinity is united. Think about that. There is no division of the Holy Spirit against Jesus or Jesus against the Father. And what we find right here is that, man, you know, when you're speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be blasphemous things, cursed be Christ. No way. 
He says, as a matter of fact, on the contrary, the Holy Spirit doesn't divide against Jesus. He points us to Jesus. He brings us to Jesus. He woos us to Jesus to the point where you would finally say from the heart, Jesus is the Lord of my life. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you have not yet really come to that place of absolute surrender. You know, you're like, why would I, I want someone else to boss me around? Well, it's because he's God and he loves you. He loves you. You know, he'll lead you into green paths and pastures and he'll lead you beside still waters and make you lie down there. And if you let the Lord shepherd your life, He'll fill the void within. He'll bring you a peace that you have never experienced, no matter the crazy things that you go through in life. That's what happens when you, by the Holy Spirit, say, Jesus is Lord. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is what we need as a church. We need to be those under the influence of God, a healthy body, supernatural, nothing less. You know, when Calvary Chapel first started, it was undeniable that it was a movement of the Holy Spirit. But then what can happen is that, you know, you, you see the Lord work and it's a spark and it starts and it's beautiful, but then you learn to just do things and you go through the motions and it becomes a machine. And we're no longer open to the supernatural. We're no longer, you know, open to the Holy Spirit. And what ends up happening is the movement, it becomes a machine. And then eventually the machine becomes a monument because God says, I can't move there anymore because they're not open to me anymore. They're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in healings. That's why I told you when I came back from South America with Ryan, I mean, that guy believes. He believes in casting out demons. He believes in the word of wisdom and words of knowledge. He has people that surround him that speak into his life like that. It's a very personal word of God. This is how the church should always function. I'm not saying that you get miracles every time in that sense, big things, dazzling things, swinging from the chandelier. No, but man, it's almost like, you know, Elisha, he expected to hear the voice of God. You know, I, I was, I'm hoping later to show you guys a video on the testimony of Lacey Sturm. Lacey uh, was the lead singer for a band named Flyleaf, and she was a young uh, lady. Uh, she's really small, but she's got this powerful voice. I love her music. But anyways, um, when she was younger, her, I think it was her cousin or maybe her nephew, was beaten to death by his stepfather. And so when that happened, she questioned God. She said, God, I don't understand. You're so big and you're supposedly so loving. I mean, if you're real, why did you allow that to happen to my nephew? And so what ended up happening was there was a progression and digression. And eventually she became to a point where she was an atheist. And then eventually she sunk to a point in her life where she wanted to commit suicide. And she had it all planned out that she was going to go home and she was going to kill herself. 
But when she got home, her grandma was there. Now, normally her grandma wouldn't be there, but on this day she was. And her grandma took one look at her, and she said, you're going to church with me. And Lacey said, no, I'm not. And grandma said, yes, you are. No, I'm not. And they started arguing, and grandma made her go to church. And she said, okay, I'll go to church with you, but afterwards I'm going to kill myself. That was her plan. So she sat, she went to church, she sat in the back, and she was mad at everybody, and she was, the pastor started talking, and she hated him. And then eventually the pastor, as he continued to speak, he said this, I believe there's a suicidal spirit in the room. And as he said that, the hair on her, on her body just stood up. And then after the, the, the study, a, a man, an usher, just came up to her, an old man, not a cool man, an old man. And, <laughs> and, and he just said, um, a lot of times we think, well, we've got to be cool. I mean, it's just got to be the Holy Spirit. It's just got to be love. And you've got to be sensitive to him. And he said to her, you know, uh, Miha, um, you know, I, I just want you to know, God wants me to tell you this, that you, you, even though you never had an earthly father, that your heavenly father will be a, a better father to you than an earthly father would have ever been to you. And the Lord wants me to tell you this, that he sees you cry yourself to sleep every night. And, and when, when, when that supernatural word of knowledge came into her heart and the prophecy from the pulpit that's a prophetic word, things like that, when that happens, then you see, that's, that's what we're talking about. These gifts of the Spirit, therefore today, and that brought her to Christ and as a result of that, and it's kind of cool, hopefully we'll get to see the video, you're going to see her and her husband and her two beautiful children, because as a family man, who I am, I'm a family man, that's what I want, Lord. I want it to bless their homes, their lives. It's not just a church thing. These are people. They have their families. They have their concerns. And it can't just be, you know, like casual Christianity. can't. It has to be supernatural. We all have gifts. We all have supernatural gifts, for lack of better comparison. It's like, you know, the Avengers, how they all have their different powers, right? Or, or the X-Men. You guys know how that works, right? And... And they all have their, their unique gifts and powers and weaknesses. We all have our weaknesses. Superman had kryptonite. Hercules had his girlfriend Meg. Things like that, right? But it's okay because where I'm weak, then you're going to help me. And together we can see God move in a mighty way. And this is why Paul here, he says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about the spiritual life, about the Holy Spirit, about spiritual gifts. Don't ignore it anymore. You have one. We all have one. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, as each one has received a gift, every single one. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, Paul says, you know, I have the gift of singleness. I wish you all had that, but everyone has their own gifts. We have to just embrace that. You know, the Holy Spirit has this work that he does 
you know, and, and what we do as we enter into this relationship with a God who speaks to us and through us, just knowing what the Holy Spirit does is he brings us to that place in which we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Romans chapter 10 in verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you're here today and you're not saved, man, you're just a, 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 a word away from being saved. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. Can you believe that? And can you now say today, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. If you're not a Christian, that's all you have to do to become a Christian. The day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, he came into my life. That day, that moment. And he will do that for you today if you have not yet accepted him. That's all you have to do is pray that prayer. God, I need you. Jesus, I, I, I accept you. Be the Lord of my life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I pray you would know today he loves you. Just take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand. Take your heart today and give it to him. You see, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And as we see here, the Holy Spirit's not against Jesus. He would never inspire someone to say, cursed be Christ. On the contrary, what we see is there's this amazing oneness, even within the Godhead, working in the church. That's what he gets to next in verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And of course, here we see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit interacting with and within the church. And even though there are different gifts and different ministries and different activities taking place, what he's saying right here is it's the same God. It's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And some might look at these things and they might make distinctions in the ministries. And I think, yeah, in one sense there is, but it's amazing how they all interlapped harmoniously and powerfully within the Godhead. And, and what Paul is saying is that even though there are different members here within the Godhead, that they are in no way divided. Absolutely not. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one in unity, in harmony, and we as a church need to glean from that. That's what he's saying right here. That's why Jesus, when he prayed for his apostles in John 17, verse 11, he prayed that they would be one as we are one. That's what he said, that the same oneness within the Godhead would be experienced in the church. And then he said it again, but now in John 17, 20 and 21, he prayed it for you. He prayed it for those who would believe through the apostles. It says in John 17, verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, not just my apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You see, there's, there's 
there's diversity, but in that diversity, we are called to have unity. There is called to be harmony. And when there, that happens, it says right here, and when that happens, then the world will believe that you sent me. And, and isn't that what you want? I mean, you have here maybe a, a, a prodigal son who needs to get saved and they're dead in their sins and you've tried everything you can. You know, you have a brother, you have a sister, you have a friend, you have a coworker. It could be your parents and you just can't get through to them. What, what we need is this, the work of the church just to come alive. And when then there's a healthy body, a supernatural body, then the dead are raised from the, 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 the dead are raised to life. And that's what we need to see here. It's true of God, it should be true of us. There's got to be this unity. And of course, we're speaking of Christians who hold to the essentials of the faith. You know, there can't be like unity amongst those who don't believe in Jesus the way that we do. They say that um, love without truth is heresy, but truth without love is hypocrisy. So we need truth and love, and then there God will work mightily. You know, one of the problems that they were having there in Corinth was that everyone was speaking in tongues. Paul says, hey, does everyone speak in tongues? Of course not. And they thought, well, everyone should speak in tongues. And what we find right here is, no, we have different gifts. Don't, don't try to be someone or something you're not. All you have to do is discover who you are, what gifts you have. You know, I was talking to someone the other day, and it was just so beautiful to see the way that she was sharing about, about learning about herself. You because know, sometimes we don't even know ourselves. And she's just starting, this is the way that I am, and this is who I am. And it was really awesome to hear. You know, uh, we got to know what, what gifts that we have, even what talents that we have. And we have to give it all to God. You know, a talent is something that you were born with. You've had it since day one. It's in your genes. Some people can sing. Some people can't. You know what I'm talking about? A talent. You know, some of you are more athletic. You were born with it. Some of you are more mechanically inclined. You were born with it. We see Sergio. He does so much, you know, all the construction. I think of my brother Gio back there. These guys have got the construction uh, talent on steroids. I mean, it's just crazy to see the way it operates. And they give it to God. That's the way, it, what it is, what, what do you have? Are you a graphic designer? Talk to Henry, he could use your help. A videographer? Talk to my, my daughter, she can use your help. Maybe you like to mix sounds? We need you in the sound ministry. Are you a little friendlier? Maybe you can be a greeter that will change someone's life. Are you a servant? How about being an usher? Do you love children? Do you love children? Then maybe the children's ministry. Do you uh, have a heart for the youth? Or, or do you like to clean? Anyone here like to clean? Come on. <laughs> you know, not very many of you, but those of you who do, I mean, I'm telling you, that's, it could be, maybe that's a little different, but these are things that are given to us by God, you know, whether you were born with it or born again with it. And if we as a church become one, we're not trying to be something different. If you're a hand, be a hand. Don't be a mouth. Be what you're supposed to be. Be what God's called you to be. It says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, not as you will, 
Now, sudden I think, Lord, how in the world did I become a pastor? How in the world did I have enough faith to quit my job, to leave my securities, and to start a church? And I realized it was not me. The shy guy, the mellow fellow, how in the world did that happen? And it has to be the Holy Spirit. You see, whatever the gifts are, he will guide. And there's supernatural gifts that we're born again with. First Peter 4.10 says we all have one. And there's talents that we were born with. I wanted to read this. I thought it was cool what William Barclay wrote about those talents. He said right here, it would be well if the church would realize that the gifts of the man who can work with his hands are just as special gifts from God. The mason, the carpenter, the electrician, the painter, the engineer, the plumber, all have their special gifts which are from God and can be used for him. And what we find is that, you know, of course, those are different. Those are things you're born with and supernatural gifts are what you're born again with. But, but whatever you do, don't think that, you know, it's not the norm. I don't know about that. But I tell you what, we can use uh, the discerning of the spirits. You know, this church started. In all reality, how did it happen? It started with someone giving me a word of, of, of knowledge, something that they spoke to me that I was speaking to God in my prayer closet to the, to the T, to the divine details. It was all God. And we have to understand those things are still operating today. You know, Elisha was a, a man who understand that in one sense, the church should be functioning supernaturally, naturally. I mean, it should be the way that we function. I mean, Elisha was so in tune with the Holy Spirit that he could tell you what the enemy was planning on that country over there in their secret boardroom because the Holy Spirit was showing him things. Elisha could see... Uh, things. Sometimes the Lord shows me things. That's how we have to operate. Elisha was so in tune with the Holy Spirit that he was surprised when God had hidden something from him in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 27. And so, you guys, um, what, what gifts do we have? They're, they're different, but they're supposed to be. You know, he says right here that we have the, the diversities of gifts, different gifts, different gifts, same spirit. There are differences of ministries. You know, we're not all clone. We're not all the same. This church is different from every other church in the world. And every ministry is uniquely led by the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have different ministries, different denominations. Some people, they prefer more, you know, the organ or the hymns. Or some people, you know, they want a different type of church government, stuff like that. That's fine. There are different ministries. You got the whosoever's reaching out to the, the kids in the high schools. You got Christian radio, Christian websites. There are so many beautiful different ministries geared towards different people. Some ministries are geared more towards the family or maybe even some to the homeless. Some are feeding the hungry or clothing the naked. They're building houses in the poor places of the world. They're, you know, they're giving clean water to please people where the water's dirty. See, there's different gifts, there's different ministries, and there's different activities. But it's the same God. And that's what he's trying to say here. 
that even though you know you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're not in any way against each other. They're working harmoniously together. And in the whole church universal, it's the same Spirit. It's the same Lord. It's the same God. And there's different activities. And this one's going to Africa. And that one's going to India. You know, we're going to Cambodia and then Mexico. And then, you know, you have this guy. He's, a, he's an evangelist. And his activity, according to the Father, is that he would be a mass evangelist. He's Billy Graham, and he's a Chuck Smith, or he's a Greg Laurie, or a Raul Reese. And then you got this one over here, and their evangelism gift is more one-on-one. -on -one. And they're just as powerful, because when D.L. Moody got saved, he got saved by a guy who did it one-on-one. -on -one. And so it's just the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we discover um, our gifts, as we discover them, then we then sanctify them and give them to God. We, we develop them, and, and then we deploy them. I know not everyone here can be involved in church ministry because you have other responsibilities. Maybe you're working two jobs, or maybe you're taking care of your mom. I know how life can be very difficult. And so maybe not everyone here is supposed to be, but I have a hunch that a lot of more of you are bearing your gifts. You're not really stepping out and using those talents the way that you should. Some of you are, and I see it, and it's so amazing. I see as a pastor you're not involved here, but God is using you big time. I see it. So I understand it's not for everyone. But I tell you what, I think that there are some, and I got to warn you, one day you're going to stand before Jesus. And he say, he's going to say, what in the world were you thinking that you never got involved? And you read that, you know, Matthew 25. They, they say, uh, let me close with this, that there are two, the, the two greatest moments in a person's life are the moment we're born and the moment we realize why we were born. I made you and I gifted you for this. And once you discover that, God does a great work. In the church, God has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we are ready for war. We are equipped to win. Imagine if we sent our troops out to battle with Swiss army knights. Probably wouldn't win, huh? But we have been given the most powerful weapons in the world that can defeat every demon and every form of opposition. And so here's my, my request to you uh, here today. If you're, you're here and you're not a Christian, I pray that you would give your life to Christ today. If you're not sure, if you don't know that you know that you know, then today I pray that you would receive Christ. And you can do it right there in your chair. You can say it right now. Jesus, come into my life. You can pray with someone afterwards. You can pray with us afterwards. We would love to pray with you, give you a Bible, encourage you in your relationship with the Lord. But if you're not, if you are a Christian, and, 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 you know, you're not really sure what gifts you have, even what talents you have. As we begin to go through this section in the next couple of weeks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
I pray that you would begin to sit with the Lord and ask him, Lord, show me. Show me my gifts. Show me my talents. Show me what you made me to do. And you watch, little by little now, he'll start showing you things. But you have to ask him.